What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Friday, February 5th. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, the podcast that helps snowmen learn about the world before they melt away. Yeah, go take this podcast out to your snowman and let him listen. All right, his life is so short. <laughs> Thank you, sir, for filling our hearts with winter joy. Yeah, hope you come back next year. On today's show, President Biden makes a big foreign policy speech, then some headlines. But first, the latest. And we're going to focus today on what's happening in the tin hat part of the Republican Party. And if you're not exactly sure what part I'm referring to, that makes sense. The line between regular Republican elected officials and unhinged conspiracy theorists is razor thin these days. Mm. Today, I'm talking about freshman Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, who you may know as the woman who harasses school shooting survivors, fellow Representative Cori Bush, and thinks Democrats harvest babies' dreams to inject them or some shit. Or at least, you know, she used to, but she says she doesn't believe that anymore. I am incredulous. Yeah, quite a resume to have in one paragraph. Uh, Mm -hmm. In social media posts before she was elected as well, Green endorsed serious violence against Democrats. And so Democrats have pushed Republicans to strip Marjorie Taylor Greene of her committee assignments or have the House do so by vote. Earlier this week, House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy basically said that she was a looney tune in effect, but also Mm -hmm. made clear the Republican Party doesn't believe in consequences for that. So the vote was yesterday. What happened? Well, Marjorie got her ass thrown out of the Education and Labor and Budget Committees. Mm. Also, just sidebar, the fact that she was even on the Education and Labor Committee when it's no secret that she called the Sandy Hook shooting that left 26 people, including 20 little kids dead, quote, staged, should be criticized until the end of time, but I digress. 11 Republicans crossed the aisle to make it happen, making the final tally 230 to 199. And before we celebrate bipartisanship, let's just remember that this was mostly voted along party lines, and this is a QAnon membership-toting woman who denied 9-11, called the shooting in Las Vegas a, quote, false flag, and way more than that. I mean, she's just a morally devoid idiot with a bad die job. That's who all but 11 members of the Republican Party decided to stand behind yesterday. And for her part, Green made a speech on the floor before the vote saying that she believed 9-11 actually happened and school shootings are real and QAnon is not. Wow. So brave. So, so brave. Go off, Marjorie. You know, you're not in a good place when those are things you have to say in the workplace. Right. <laughs> just just a note of quick clarification. Uh, mm-hmm. An apparent attempt to save herself in those remarks, and definitely a, a bad day for the Republican caucus. Green now becomes the only member of Congress with no committee assignments and therefore basically no formal influence on legislation or oversight. But Republicans had some hand-wringing about the so-called precedent it sets. Don't they always love to wring their hands? Well, <laughs> here's the thing. There's already a precedent for moving people from committees. It's just new to have it done by vote. Mr. McCarthy himself in 2019 stripped then-Iowa representative neo-Nazi supporter and racist Steve King of his committees after an interview with the New York Times in which King argued that white supremacy is good, actually. And beyond that, there have been lawmakers in the midst of criminal investigations or indictments that lose the privilege to be on these committees, so, you know, she can cry me a river, build me a bridge, and get over it. So that's the state of things in Congress. Just a couple weeks into the 
the Biden administration, but Congress is thankfully not the world. So let's talk about President Biden's foreign policy goals. Yesterday, he visited the State Department. Here's a clip of what he had to say. America is back. America is back. Diplomacy is back at the center of our foreign policy. As I said in my inaugural address, we will repair our alliances and engage with the world once again, not to meet yesterday's challenges, but today's and tomorrow's. Wow. America's back. I don't necessarily feel like <laughs> I don't feel like I'm back, but maybe the rest of it is. All right. But that was, you know, his big picture message. Diplomacy. We're back. But he also got more specific and announced that the United States would end its support of Saudi Arabia's military campaign in Yemen. Gideon, walk us through what that news means. Yeah. So first off, this was expected from Biden and was a campaign promise that he is, you know, quickly fulfilling. And just to bring everybody up to speed, there has been an ongoing civil war in Yemen and lots of outside countries have gotten involved in the year since it started. Saudi Arabia and the UAE intervened in 2015 after the Houthis and Iranian backed rebel group ousted the country's president. Beginning under President Obama and continuing under Trump, the U.S. has supported the Saudi intervention with weapon sales, intelligence and more, even as the Saudi airstrikes often targeted civilians. A 2019 report found that American and British bombs killed or injured almost 1,000 civilians over the course of just three years. Mm. And since then, the situation in Yemen has been called the worst humanitarian crisis in the world by the UN, and by the end of 2020 resulted in the deaths of almost a quarter million people, including many from indirect causes like, quote, lack of food, health services, and infrastructure. The UN Secretary General said last year that Yemen was in, quote, imminent danger of the worst famine the world has seen for decades. Yeah. And this announcement from Biden comes just weeks after the previous administration was taking a very different approach. Indeed. So just weeks ago, the previous Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, uh, named the Houthi rebel movement a foreign terrorist organization. So aid groups at the time and the UN had warned that that would just worsen the situation in the country. But back to Biden, the new administration has reportedly frozen sales of more weapons to the Saudi coalition and named a new U.S. envoy for Yemen. But Politico reports it's somewhat unclear what else will directly change about the U.S. involvement, given that a lot of the support had been pulled back. For instance, as The Washington Post notes, in 2018, the U.S. stopped aerial refueling of Saudi jets. Still, the announcement is signaling to some progressives that they are being heard on the issue and that a peaceful resolution could actually be reached under new leadership with these reoriented priorities. That is the ultimate goal here. Yeah. And over the years, Democratic members of Congress like Representative Rokana and Senators Chris Murphy and Bernie Sanders had been introducing measures to bring an end to the crisis. So how are they responding to the news? Positively. Uh, this has been a big issue for Kana and these other folks you mentioned. He sponsored a measure in 2018 to end U.S. involvement in Yemen. It passed in Congress with bipartisan support and was the first war powers resolution to do so. Then unsurprisingly, President Trump vetoed it, but it may still have had an impact overall. I spoke with Kana yesterday to get his reaction to the news. Yes, I mean, it's a huge uh, shift in American foreign policy. Uh, when I started four and a half years ago, I introduced a resolution to end our support for the Saudi war and had to take on my own leadership. I mean, there was a consensus that uh, we had to support Saudi Arabia. So we passed for the first time a historic war powers resolution, Senator Sanders and I, uh, in 2018. Uh, that led to Trump actually stopping the refueling, but he didn't make a public declaration of it. And the policy remained uh, that uh, we would uh, be supporting the Saudis. President Biden has taken a decisive step in reversing that policy and saying uh, any support for an offensive war uh, against uh, Yemen is not going to uh, exist from the United States. Uh, and that policy, as I understand it, is immediate. And so it's going to force the Saudis to come to the bargaining table 
strengthened Griffith's hand, the UN envoy to bring peace. Yeah, so he's referring there to UN Special Envoy Martin Griffiths, who's been working to try to bring parties to the table to figure out a peace deal. And it was also really interesting when I was talking to Kana, he was reflecting on how he views all of this as a really big victory for activists. The only reason we were able to pass the War Powers Resolution is because of the group's advocacy, high school students advocating, college students advocating, mobilization on the internet, uh, talking to members of Congress. So I just hope anyone listening to this will be encouraged that there are moments when our democracy works, that online activism can work, and that Americans do have the ability to change American foreign policy in a more just direction. Yeah, I do think that this is very encouraging. So did he signal where we go from here? Yeah. So going forward, Khanna said that he hopes that there is a swift reversal of the Trump designation on Houthis, a lifting of the Saudi blockade, which has pushed Yemeni citizens into starvation, and of course, ultimately work towards a peace deal. We'll keep following this story and other foreign policy updates out of the administration, but that is the latest for now. Friday Wad Squad. And as we all know, because this podcast is a pro sports podcast at heart, it's the Super Bowl this weekend. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are facing off against the Kansas City Chiefs in Florida. It's Tom Brady's 10th Super Bowl and his first since he left the Patriots after 20 years on the team. He's 100 years old, I guess. Uh, The weekend is doing the halftime show and Dr. Fauci doesn't want any of us to have watch parties at our apartment. So Giddy, my question for you, will you be watching and what are you looking forward to? I believe we are going to be working during this time, but I'll probably have it on. I I feel like I'm looking forward to the weird ad strategy. Like, I feel like we were talking about the Anheuser-Busch thing and they're like, you know, not going to do horses, but then they have other ads that are happening. There's always like, there there used to be the day after the Super Bowl where, you know, everybody's like, I I can't believe they had the, like, the gecko in the ad do this like that's crazy and like this just seems like it's not that's not going to be a feature at all so that that seems like it's going to be weird yeah i mean especially since we've all been streaming more shows than ever it's like what are ads (laughs) yeah what do you mean i have to watch a commercial like go back to playing football stop taking breaks you know bridgerton doesn't take breaks (laughs) exactly exactly when the characters in bridgerton are tackling each other you know getting concussions yeah. they're not they're, they're not taking breaks um yeah, people are going to interpret that in a lot of different ways i don't know the plot of the show um but yeah same question for you akila what are you thinking about what are you okay. what are you going to be looking at during the super bowl so uh i am still really excited for amanda gorman to perform her poem just because i'm like mm-hmm. wow a place for poetry at the super bowl <laughs> i think that it's going to be really divisive online but I also think that the weekend is going to have a real uphill climb to, you know, fill the time for his performance. I list. I like I like the weekend. I'm a fan, but I just don't know that he has like 20 minutes of hits that like, you know, aren't just like B-sides or like, you know, ballads. I got I can't feel my face in Starboy. Blinding Lights. Is that the new one? Yeah, that's three. Yeah, that's like that's close to a whole set. I think that he should go back to the House of Balloons thing uh, and just do all of that and just really freak people out. Be like, I, yeah, I'm like, sad go, and I'm yeah, on Xanax. Way back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's it's just a very different mood from his more like poppy stuff 
now totally. that it wouldn't it just would not make sense in a Super Bowl. Yeah. And I'm just curious, like, you know, all, all the other halftime shows, I guess, you know, excluding <laughs> Justin Timberlake's, which was a disaster to me, um, <laughs> were like really high production value and really interesting and had like, you know, guest performers. Like what guest is going to guest for the weekend? I don't know. You know, I don't know for sure. I'm curious, probably Dua Lipa or someone else who's also you know, has a few hits that we all know about, but maybe not like the discography of someone like Beyonce or Lady Gaga who performed in the mm. past. I feel like the weekend's guests will be the prosthetics that he wears on his face. <laughs> He's been do. Have you seen these yeah. like Nutty Professor? Who is ma- who is putting that on this man? I don't know. I feel like we're in a weird time for music <laughs> videos, and I'm just I- I'm look. I'm watching them, <laughs> so I guess they're working. Yeah, but yeah, I, you know, a uh, lot to look forward to this weekend. Yeah, I hope he does at least five minutes as the Nutty Professor. That's that's yeah. what I want. Just do it for us. Well, just <laughs> like that, we've checked our temps. Stay safe the weekend. If you're listening to this, just do the Nutty Professor thing. We're all <laughs> banking on it. And we'll be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm-hmm. doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, books, promo code WAD. What a day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? 
And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit betterhelp.com slash wad today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash wad. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Consulting giant McKinsey will pay out a nearly $600 million settlement for its role in the opioid crisis. According to legal documents, the firm advised OxyContin maker Purdue Pharma on how to sell more painkillers and helped boost the sales of higher risk prescriptions, even as more and more people across the country were dying from overdose. More than 470,000 deaths since 2000 have been linked to opioids, and the addiction crisis has only gotten worse under the pandemic. McKinsey worked extensively with Purdue for 15 years, which led to skyrocketing profits for both companies. Under the new settlement, McKinsey agreed to make public all communications related to its opioid work. The money from the settlement will go to local governments of almost all U.S. states and territories to pay for treatment and rehab programs in communities that were hit hard by the crisis. A misinformation supergroup formed by Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, the Fox News Network, and some (laughs) Fox News hosts is getting sued for spreading lies about a voting technology company. The company Smartmatic filed a huge $2.7 billion with a B dollar lawsuit yesterday, (laughs) accusing the voting machine truthers of lying about the company in an effort to mislead the public that the 2020 election was fraudulent. The lawsuit reads, quote, the earth is round. Two plus two equals four. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won the 2020 election of president and vice president of the United States. I love that poem. I'm going to read it on my birthday. Well, some of the conspiracies blamed Smartmatic for manipulating votes in swing states, even though the company operated only in Los Angeles. To be fair, it was kind of suspicious that the liberal cesspool called Hollywood didn't go for Trump. This mm-hmm. isn't even the first time this year that Giuliani and Powell have gotten sued by a voting tech company. Dominion Voting System sued them both last month for promoting similar conspiracies. Let's see if they can go three for three and get another one soon. I believe in them. Uh, (laughs) Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen met with top financial regulators yesterday, presumably to discuss whether it's good or bad that the stock market is a video game now. Mm. The question regulators are facing is whether newly democratized and social media driven markets would benefit from new rules to protect investors. Experts say the Securities and Exchange Commission will likely focus on the role hedge funds and trading platforms like Robinhood played in creating volatility and that it will be more difficult to make determinations about retail investors on places like Reddit. There is one guy in Massachusetts facing inquiries from state regulators, though. I can't say that word, so I just pronounce it that way now. He's a YouTuber named Roaring Kitty who helped cheer on the rise of GameStonk and made millions in the process. Mr. Kitty was also employed as a financial wellness education director at a Boston insurance company up until January 28th. So he might have broken his company's rules and maybe some state securities regulations by offering investment advice online. So I happen to think he did. And the only fair solution is to start this whole GameStop thing over from the beginning. Only I know it's happening this time. Yeah, just like wake us up if you're going to be making things go to the moon. All right, well, (laughs) Trump will remain in his hot Floridian shame cabana for at least a little while longer with the news that he will refuse to testify at his Senate impeachment trial starting next Tuesday. House impeachment managers requested Trump's testimony yesterday, stating that it was needed because he had denied factual allegations from the House that he incited the raid on the Capitol. Trump's lawyers promptly disagreed and described the request as a public relations stunt, which is a subject area that Trump knows very well. House managers could move to subpoena Trump, but it's unlikely they'd succeed because they'd need the support of the majority of the Senate and senators from both parties have already said they're opposed to the idea. As far as the trial goes, 17 Republicans would need to vote with Democrats in order to convict Trump. So that's even more remote of a possibility. Personally, I'm still holding out hope for impeachment three, the last crusade. Sometimes you do need a trilogy, you know, know, we love a trilogy. And those are the headlines. (laughs)
That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, protect Roaring Kitty, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just voting machine lawsuits like me, What A Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out. Subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Keila Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and go, go build, build a, a snowman. snowman. While there's still snow and it's not all yellow or brown. Mm-hmm. Give him a hug after. Put some AirPods in his ears. Don't listen Cute. to Wad. Aww. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun is our assistant producer. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Katie Long, Akila Hughes, and me. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. I'm Jessica Reeves, and I've been analyzing and reporting on extremism for the last 10 years, and I have the gray hair to prove it. Subscribe to our podcast, Extremely, for an always eye-opening look inside the daily work of exposing, fighting, and disrupting all facets of extremism. My co-host, Oren Siegel, and I explore this ever-changing landscape and bring you stories of people and places impacted by extremism, those who fight to protect our communities, and those who offer new perspectives. You can find Extremely wherever you listen to podcasts.